Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Bevelations, Cocktails and Conversations with Billy's Most Fabulous. It's Bev here. I did it. I recorded two podcasts within a reasonable amount of time together. You're welcome. Thank you all who reached out saying that they were happy that the podcast was back and like the new format. Um, I think it works. We're still honing it. Um, But I appreciate everyone sticking with us. So we have another exciting episode today. Um, I'm really excited for this episode. And I'm saying I say excited a lot, but I am actually excited for this episode because I am trying to do something a little bit not like more serious with the podcast, but something beyond just like floofy little interviews uh, talking about bitching about drag. So today we are joined by um, a good friend of mine who I met, um, we'll talk about it during the interview, but met during um, my tenure working with Burlesque. He is um, a working burlesker here in the city, and I brought him on to talk openly, not only about his uh, burlesque career and, and his growing up, but he um, has been very open on social media in regards to his journey with sobriety and um, chemical substance abuse, and I, as you'll find out in the episode, I have that in my family as well. So I think this is something that is good to talk about because the more that it's out in the open, the more that it brings a human face to something that I don't sometimes think that gets lost. And um, I applaud him for his openness and his honesty. I will say uh, this is a very frank interview, so mild trigger warning if you have uh, issues with just talking openly about this type of thing. Um, No judgment if that offends you or upsets you, but just letting you know in advance that there is a little bit of um, talking that might uh, affect some people. So... Um, As far as social media, thank you all so much for sticking with the podcast. You can find me on Instagram at itsbevbitch. You can also find me on Venmo at itsbevbitch. If you want to send a little tip, if you appreciate the podcast, I appreciate it. And um, yeah, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Bevelations. Alright kids, welcome back to another exciting episode of Bevelations. It's Bev. Hey girls. And Jeremiah. And we're joined by our extra special guest this week, Mr. Eric, otherwise known as Burlesque Sensation Turnpike. Hi Eric. Hello, hello. Speak up, stop being such a fucking bottom. Jesus. Beat your butch, right? Butch it up, Mary. Butch it up. She's butch. So we are here live on location. I don't know why I'm turning my head away from the microphone. (laughs) But we are live on location at Michael Snyder's apartment. Say hi, Michael. Live in studio audience. Oh, you don't know this yet, but I, you're going to be documenting the times that I say uh, we're adding a sound effect here because um, I said that last time and then I forgot where the places were, so I didn't put any in. And there was just like massive <laughs> silence. It was like break for you know sound what? effects. No, this shit is free. People don't pay for this shit, so you know what? You're, until I start getting paid for this shit, it's going to be whatever fucking kind of operation I feel like it being. So welcome. This is your first time joining us. I feel like we're, I feel like if this was bitch uh, bitch sesh. We're in the nook. Yes. We're in the nook, and we have a very um, we have a very you can't see it, but we have a very phallic microphone that we're using this looks time. Looks like a dick, like it a giant. It looks dick. like a giant dick. Well, 
never said you weren't a size queen, Jeremiah. I never said I wasn't either. So, Mr. Turnpike, or Eric, whatever you fucking go by right now. Yes. Um, your tits aren't out, so we'll call you Eric. Um, how are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm um, lazy and didn't have you write a bio. <laughs> I, uh, I'm very well. A um, little bit about myself. She's putting on her butch voice. Butch voice. Um, no. Uh, well, I perform in the city and mm-hmm. all over. How long have you been doing burlesque? Uh, going on five years now. Five? Has it really been that long? Almost. God, I'm fucking old. Yep, in August. August it'll be since the dad bod competition. That Was that when you started it? Well, the dad bod competition? So so Eric and I met uh-huh. when um, <laughs> I used to do burlesque at Taboo. And you are still a regular cast member, right? Yep. Awesome. And that's the first Friday of the month. at ta- it, is, it is still first Friday, First Friday right? at Taboo. Um, it's the... I don't know if the other. It ones. is. Um, I just had. I just went to a, a like a, a employee taboo dinner thing this week, and um, now that some shows are no longer at taboo, um, yeah, burlesque is. No, I don't. I don't care to comment on that. Just <laughs> <laughs> gonna drink my wine. Right. Uh, burlesque is now the longest running show at taboo. We were, we figured out. Really. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I think I'm second now because Connor said they started in the summertime and I started in the fall. So that's wild. Yeah, it's going to be six years I think in October. Oh, yeah. Have you done anything else aside from burlesque, or has it just been strictly burlesque? Like, as far as performing arts, yeah. Go? Did you do like drag, or did you like in, in this kind no, of performance? No, I just or? jumped right in. But um, I put I you in drag one time. <laughs> you did. Uh-huh. You were me. Yeah. I w- oh, that was so much fun. I did your Tourette's act. Yes, which that was, and <laughs> which you said I is didn't one know of words. many numbers that I can no longer do because of of changes in the times and changes in societal. Uh, what's funny and what's not, right. motherfucker, uh-huh. sucker. Yeah. Oh, it was a goodie yeah. though. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I I did a, a theater in grade school and uh, took a long hiatus from the stage and came back naked. Came back naked. And where does the name Turnpike come from? Do you have like a? No. Y'all fuckers all have like catchphrases. No, or you it's don't have not. you don't have a slogan or a catchphrase or anything. I thought it has to be. I do. I but I thought Turnpike has to be one word like, share. Oh. You talking bad? <laughs> I don't have a fucking last name. I'll switch it up uh, so Pennsylvania doesn't sue me. But put a Y, right? Yes. Uh huh. Uh, the catchphrase. Your the slogan. Tagline. Uh huh. Whatever. Is um. <laughs> Buckle up, because you're about to get rear-ended. <laughs> That's good. That's, That's, That's so good. good. That's good. And it took four years to come up with. <laughs> and you've been doing this for five. Five. Cool. He yeah. has Connor. It's give it up for this whore with hepatitis. Yeah. Well, I used to intro, like I used to intro Connor as like a cross between Mrs. Garrett and Bruce Blanche. Make some noise. <laughs> cross between Mimi I'm first and Brandon Robert. Make some noise. Oh wow! How'd that go over? <laughs> yeah. It's different every month. I'm like, it's, none of his genes are dominant, which is good because neither is he. Make some noise for Connor Michael Chuck. <laughs> oh wow! Previous podcast guest Connor Michael Chuck. <laughs> so um, we uh, we always start off. Or we always and by always we mean for the second time that we're doing this. Woo! Uh, we start off the podcast by talking about some hot topics. So goddamn hot. Shit. 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 Um, so let's talk about some shit that's happened since the last, um, the last time we recorded. Where the fuck is the... Me- oh, here it is. Okay. Which was when? How often did you do this? Uh, like two weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not committing to a regular schedule because I never keep it. But I'm trying to do them more regularly than I had been doing them in the past, which was like one every three months. 
because she gets sure. busy. Weirdly, we did do this on Thursday, so we have kept it. Yeah. Two weeks. And I was supposed to, to get it out on Friday, and I didn't. Sorry, Vincel, I didn't get it out to the weekend. But <laughs> um, so let's talk about obviously very important things going on right now. So um, the trailer for the Cats movie. Oh came out, uh, I believe it was last weekend. I think we've had a, a solid week of trying to get over the horror of what that is. Have you seen that? It's fucking scary. It's yeah. fucking, for those who are Ooh. living under a rock and um, unaware, Cats has been around for like 30 years, yeah. probably more. I think it like came out when I was... About born. When I, I think it was... When you were out the year before I was born. Yeah, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> this gentleman makes a noise of the last appearance of, John, of, of uh, <laughs> Jeremiah Spoon. Oh, we didn't catch up with you. How are you, Jeremiah? Oh, I'm good. You know, just enjoying my wines. What are you drinking? Sauvignon Blanc. So, oh, she's... Okay. From a box. Let's <laughs> and what are you drinking? Um, a club soda. No. Uh, just a little vodka club cran. Perfect. Mm. Perfect. So, thank you for letting us know how well you're doing by how much alcohol you're having. Okay. So, trailer came out. This is the first time since Cats came out 30 plus years ago that they've made it into a movie. Um, it's by the director of Les Mis and has Jennifer Hudson and Taylor Swift and Rebel Wilson and James Corden, James Corden, Idris Elba, amongst which many others. And it's fucking terrifying. They look like like the house elves from fucking Harry Potter mixed with like. I, I, don't I don't even know. I, Dust bunnies. The like. Rebel Wilson cat looks like my cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does it? So I was. Uh, but I just don't understand. It's like first of all, I heard that like the like Cats the musical doesn't have a plot. Like it has a very loose like. In the last like ten minutes, it's like oh, this is the old cat that nobody likes. Oh, she's gonna die. Spoiler alert for the if you've never seen Cats, we're about to ruin it for you. But um, I've never seen Cats. Really? Yeah, really. I avoided that on purpose. I never saw it either. <laughs> Random non sequitur, this is really funny. But when I was younger and living in Baltimore, a friend of mine, this is like a story, telling of a story of a telling of a story of a telling of a story, but my friend used to tell this story where he was in New York in like the 80s and they were in line at TKTS and there were these like three little like Jewish booby ladies behind them, like looking at the screen of what the, the shows were available. What the fuck are you doing? I'm looking at the director. Oh, okay. Um, and they're like, the one was like, cats. What is that about? And the other one goes, <laughs> oh my god! First of all, there are all these cats, and they frolic and leap and play. Oh and one god. of them is very old, and the others they don't like her. And she wore a very tattered fur coat. And at the end, they had some kind of a contest, and guess what? She won. So they put her on a tire, and they blew her through the roof. <laughs> I nearly died. <laughs> and then the third one pipes up and goes, "You, I." Died. So Tom. <laughs> that's Ho- the that's the plot right there. Tom Hooper is the director who has also directed The King's Speech, The, the Danish Girl, The King's Speech. So uh, Elizabeth I don't the First, like, all this crazy shit. That so they they've decided to through motion capture add computerized fur instead of like having because co- the co- the costumes for the musical are like leotards with like wigs that kind of resemble. <laughs> A cat's head structure. Yeah, yeah. After the fur and stuff. These are like CGI. Like, it's the same shit that people are saying. Like with with fucking Lion King. It's like we're using technology for the sake of using technology, and we're like ruining something that could very easily have withstood on its own without it. Yeah, but 
Lion King is like actual animals, and this is like anthropomorphized cats. So they're like cat people. Yeah, like, it'd be just, one thing if they were like cats. Like there's that meme of just Jennifer Hudson's face, and they're now like putting her as the cat <laughs> on like her other roles. Like someone like put it on her body from Sex in the City, oh, where Jesus. she's holding the Louis Vuitton purse. She's like, it's a Louis Vuitton, and she's got the Did fucking with Grizabella head. It's horrifying. With Brenda from Scary Movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 yeah, so, um, yeah, it's the, I feel like um, I listened to this one podcast where they were talking about, like, CGI used to be, like, a tool to help you with movie making. Now it's the entirety of the movie. Might as well be animated. Right. Like, yeah. Like, it. I think Lion King is the first movie that's not considered a cartoon to be completely digital that, like, nothing existed in real life. Because with Jungle Book, it was basically that way, which was directed by the same director, but it, the little boy was real. Right. But since there's no humans in this, there's it's literally everything. But yeah. apparently there was, like, one shot in it that I, that I think they said was, like, actually, like, real, and you were supposed to, like, look for it as, like, an Easter egg and to prove that you couldn't tell the, that it wasn't. That's fucking dumb. Yeah. So... <laughs> Awkward silence. All right, let's move on to our next topic of conversation. So um, last week, or earlier this week, um, a Twitter post, several Twitter posts actually, were made by our current reigning drag superstar, Miss Evie Oddly, about not wanting to take photos after uh, gigs. Jeremiah, would you like to read her, her, her tweets? Dramatic reading. Dramatic Cue the dramatic reading. Oh, I know. I guess I need dramatic. No, I'm not fucking adding dramatic reading music. Cue for sound effect. Kidding. Okay. Imagine that you're a very passionate chef who landed your dream job at a prestigious restaurant. Imagine that you just spent a long day on your feet cooking for people who pay you because they appreciate how your food tastes. And then I don't have the other part, but like it basically she puts herself in as like, I'm a chef and that's what my art is to people and I'm exhausted by the end of the day. So I don't want to take pictures with people for free. I can tell you eight out of 10, four out of five chefs that I've worked with and I work in restaurants Uh 12, 15 years now. Most of them will go to a table. Right. That was go my out. point. That's that was exactly that's what I said. proud of their work. They want to go out and engage the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. They want to see people enjoy it. What's the point if... Well, and the analogy just doesn't hold up because of that. Like, they want to see the joy on people's faces. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it just speaks to... Does a performer have the right to say no to a picture? I, th- I think to, uh, to a certain extent they do, but also there's a there's a certain level of fan appreciation that goes into that, and I think that the way she kind of phrased it was very high horse, um, and it, it just didn't yeah. like sit like it wasn't like oh I'm exhausted so please don't be mad or offended if I don't take a picture. It was this is why I don't take pictures with my yeah so you all should deal with it. And it was like four tweets long. And I don't mean this in an insensitive way, but we need to get a grip like that. It's not a celebrity. Well, Michelle Visage said in an interview one time, she's like, "You better be happy that these kids are fucking lining up for yeah, you. I mean, like they, you're the, they're the reason why you are famous. They're the ones that watch this show. Like the least you can do, you're not curing cancer. You're a man in a wig and a dress. Like who the fuck are you? With like movie stars and, and pop stars, things I understand like security risks." I understand they're busy, they're traveling, and they're, they're there on is, the road. There is that to a certain degree. Now, it's become that way now with, with certain Drag Race girls. And I think mm-hmm. she's finding that out the hard way now as, like, the the most popular one of her season. Right, well, I, I think and counterpoint... it's easy for them to burn out. 
Counterpoint, like, Bob the Drag Queen does not like smiling at pictures. People are like, why don't you smile? And she's just like, no. So, like, th- I think there's a certain level of... Trixie like, doesn't like to be touched. Yeah. Like, Trixie's like, don't hug me. I'll take a photo with you. We'll, like, air kiss. We'll, like, do, like, high five, but don't fucking hug me. I'll take pictures all day. I was just going to ask, like, you, you two have been in the performance space way longer than I have. Yeah. So, what, like, what's your take on it from your perspective? I'm not opposed to being touched, but also when I've just literally finished my number and naked... Right, yeah, you're completely ass naked, out, balls out, for, like... Most likely kittening for myself. <laughs> I'm sorry, what does that mean? Kittening <laughs> is, a, is a burlesque term for... Picking, picking up, up your, your dollars shits. and all of your costume pieces that you've stripped out of, but... You know, you're sweaty, you're hot. Right. If I have a minute to, like, recalibrate, mm-hmm. refresh, come back out with something on, I'm very down right. to being hugged, taking pictures. I, everyone, like, some of my friends, shout out to Vinchel and Sutton, like, to give me shit because I will be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of taking photos after a show, mainly because a lot of the shows where um, people want to take photos afterwards, it's a very... Uh, drunk crowd. It's at the end of the night. Bachelorette Bat- heavy. Yes, yeah. bachelorette heavy. Like they w- they don't want it for the memory. Warm they want crowd. it for like yeah. the novelty of taking the picture with the birthday clown. Like I mm-hmm. made a I made a Facebook post earlier this week, like jokingly, like I don't mind taking photos as long as you have your fucking flash on. That's annoying too. Like standing there while everyone they've been waiting in line for ten minutes, but they get there and all of a sudden they're they can't get their fucking flash to work or the phone thing isn't working right and then shout out to my mother my mother will try to take a photo but doesn't have any phone memory because she doesn't delete anything that happened last year on mother's day where i did a mother's day brunch judy wanted a photo she's my mother that's fine shout out to judy i know she listens hi judy and she's this is this is not exaggerated at all i was like okay mom after the show we'll go around this corner to this little vestibule and we'll do a photo after the show, I come out, come around the corner to get her. She comes around. She gets on her phone. She's like, oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. Stands there for close to 10 minutes trying to get enough phone memory to take photos. Meanwhile, every it's a Mother's Day brunch. There are uh, over 150 people there. They've seen the drag queen lining up appears for photos. So now there's people lining up while she's standing there. And... I'm not going to be an asshole. So I stood there. And it's like, I I get it. And it's, I I do my best to try to remember that they're like, this is a fun experience. It's just after you're, when you're, again, you're sweaty, your feet hurt. Like it, it can get to be a lot. I can see both sides of the thing. I, I, like, like, like fucking Bianca Del Rio said in a res- response to her, like, you need to worry about when they don't want a photo with you. That's yeah. the fucking problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she clocked her, actually. That, there, that was kind of the whole tea, was that Bianca came in, she's like, it's only been a few months, but good luck, bitch. Yeah, and, like, you've been, you, you and Michael, too, have been with me during, like, Outfest and, like, Pride and shit, where it's, like, everyone's wasted, everyone wants the photo with the drag queen walking through the crowd, who's... A, trying to either get to a stage or to a gig or from, and it's just like, I have no problems, like, at the parade with little kids, with, like, families, with that kind of stuff, but when, like, you're wasted and you're going to hang on me, it's like, no, I just, I get... Do you perform for others? Do I perform for others? Do you perform for yourself or do you perform for others? Like, ideologically? I like that. Uh, Both. Okay, a little bit of both. Yeah. That's totally fair. I feel like with the pictures thing, it goes back into why I do it. When I first saw Burlesque, I was 
real shit day. I was at work. I was cocktail serving at this burlesque show. Mm-hmm. Like these fucking whores. And like, I just wanted to go home. But then I started watching it. And it took me out of my bad day. Mm-hmm. I had all kinds of personal stuff going on. And it just removed me right. from my human experience. And it allowed me a little bit of freedom for four minutes. Right. While I was watching uh, these great performers uh, at the old Six Appeal show. That mm-hmm. was at... At Pen Six, uh, R.I.P. And uh, yeah, it was about providing an experience, helping somebody else out. And if you know that goes hand in hand with a little bit afterwards, right? They want to remember. Most of them do want to remember it. They, right. they value right. this moment. Right. With you, and that's why, yeah, thing. I only get annoyed when it's just like. And then I also get annoyed by okay, you're in a group of twelve. Not every single person in the group of twelve needs a selfie. You can all pile in together. One person takes the photo and y'all share it. We don't need to waste 20 minutes figuring out, well, whose phone is it going to be? Well, I want it for Snapchat. Well, I want it for this. Well, I want it for that. Like, collectively, everyone comes in together. We all get one beautiful group photo together. And we're we're not talking like it's going to be like 6 o'clock or 8 o'clock when you're done. Like, it's 1230, 1 o'clock in the morning. Like, I went to a, a, a pop concert during World Pride with a couple of friends, and it was super late when the concert got out, but we got the opportunity to meet the band. Shout out to Andy Kane. Um, however, the two remaining members that are still at it. There are three. Thank you. Oh, very much. one came back. Perfect. <laughs> That's the one with the tits. Aubrey O'Day. Aubrey O'Day. Oh, fun story. Lots of pictures because her boobs may have fallen out of her costume like fifteen thousand times. Oh, um, so anytime I was trying to get like something for Snapchat, I'm like, okay, those are boobs. Um, but the point is, we're late and we got the opportunity to meet them. It's like two o'clock in the morning, so. Rather than the, the four of us that were there taking an individual photo, we're like, fuck this, we'll just do one group photo, it's fine, like, they're probably tired, they want to yeah. go home, like, so I think that plays into it as well. What, did you have to pay for that meet and greet, or was that part of it? Like, in theory, oh, what do you have can? had to pay? Well, like, Britney yeah. does meet and greets, but they're like, dollars $10. Britney Spears? Kane. Oh, I'm like, no, Britney Spears, oh, no, they're like okay. fucking $5,000 or some shit. And, oh, she, yeah. and she stands awkwardly next to you on the other side of the frame, and it's just like, <laughs> So we, we got the She photo. does. I'm not lying. I've seen the photos where, like, the people are, like, on one side, and she's on, like, There's the a opposite whole set of, of pictures with her just being, like, awkward and <laughs> detached. Yeah. Anyway. So we, we didn't actually have VIP meet and greet passes. The merch lady who was selling hats at this table, at the, the merch table was like, well, if you buy a hat, you can meet them and they'll sign your hat. Oh. The hats were $45 a piece. So, so, so well, that's what, how what, is, what does Brooklyn Four do? Buys four. So all of us can, can yeah, meet them. And then how- they don't tell the security staff. So the security staff's like, I don't care about your hat. You're not meeting them. And But there were like 10 of us. So we're like, well, we're not leaving until we meet them. So yeah. we just spent $45 on a Cheap ass hat, so so no, it wasn't free. <laughs> well, and that's how a lot of the girls at DragCon will do. Like, um, if you just want a photo with them, it can be like Michelle Visage, for example. Like, it was a hundred dollars, I think, at they said at, at either LA DragCon or the last New York DragCon for a photo for a photo with Michelle Visage. But if you bought her T-shirt or you bought her book, which was significantly less, she would. To sign up for you and take a photo with you because they're there to sell their merch. But if you're only there for the fucking Instagram photo, then they're going to be like, okay. What, they print it out and frame it for uh, you? I did a gig with um, uh, um, a previous season drag race queen. I won't say who it was. Vivacious. Um, <laughs> in Wilkes-Barre. Just whisper it. <laughs> Vivacious. In Wilkes-Barre. And she... Now, 
It, this is heat in Wilkesbury, so yeah. shout out to Estella Suite. Hey, it's Estella. not. It's not a large venue, so there's a fair amount of people there, but it's not like Voyeur where there's oh. a line of seventy five thousand people. And Vivacious is like. I will not take photos. I will sign this this uh, photo for you. She did not take photos with people. She made you could buy her like eight by ten glossy, and she would say for her, like, "Girl, you were on like five seasons ago, and you went home like third or fourth. And you're in Wilkes. And you're in Wilkesbury. Well, shout out to Wilkesbury. I'm taking James Mansfield there next week. But um, yeah. So, all right. Well, we've talked a lot about that. Let's. So, see. do you want to talk about? Trump tweets or the heat? I'll uh, give you a choice. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to talk about the Trump tweets. We um, we we got political last time. I'm fine. Um, the heat last weekend that was crazy. God, thank God, lo- global warming's not real. I moved out of Arizona to get away from the heat for a job opportunity. I did not expect it to follow me three years later. Oh, that was fun. Were you working last weekend? I lost five pounds. Yeah, not from sweat, from carrying around five changes of clothes. It was just... You were gigging last weekend, or were you, like, working, working? I like, was doing everything last doing everything. Yeah. yeah. It was just... Uh, it's been crazy. Nightmare. Um, I moved. In the oh, elbow. that's right. <laughs> oh, my God. I moved in August a couple years ago. I will never do that again. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it's At least it's broken a little bit. Yeah, I think we're back down to normal temperatures. For now. For now. In, until until, <laughs> until it spikes back up. Until fucking summer 2.0. That's what we all... So, we all got, like, super day drunk... Last Sunday, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and I think it was just because we were like, dehydrated. it was so dehydrated and so hot out that like, when I when I long before I started at the current job that I'm in now, I waited tables for one year and uh, at the Cheesecake Factory in Baltimore, Maryland. You're probably a bitch. At, Oh the God. Cheesecake Factory, that's what we called it, because there was not nearly a heterosexual gentleman to be found. Um, Working or eating? <laughs> both. Um, but... When you worked outside, because there's like it's the inner harbor, so there's just like giant patio. Everyone wants to sit outside. Like you would drink all day long and not pee once because you, it was just like really? so hot out and you're working so, and like sweating and oh, it's wow. just so you get so dehydrated being out in that type of heat for so long. I was also, I may or may not have hit a vape pen oh. at that house party. So that was can that kind of did me. Sell me a menu item off the cheesecake factory <laughs> menu. I don't. I used to have my spiel memorized. What was your favorite thing to snack on? The there? only the only to snack on. Yeah. Okay. The best thing on the menu and is like the perfect cure if you're ever hungover. There's an appetizer called the Buffalo Blasts that are wonton wrappers filled with buffalo chicken and blue cheese, wow. and then they bread the wrapper and deep fry it and serve it with with ranch and and buffalo sauce. It's probably like five thousand calories in one appetizer but I, they're the like I feel like that's a blow so your good. butthole out in 30 oh, minutes yeah. after you eat them. Like, so, that just, I'm fearless <laughs> people <laughs> like but I, I work there god I mean this was 15 years ago um, but people would come in they'd be like well what's on the light side of the menu I'm like bitch you're at a restaurant <laughs> named inside. after the most fattening dessert possible. <laughs> like, now they have, like, a skinny menu. But but I would be like, um, well, we, just I, can get you some, I can get you some strawberries from the bakery, and you can have some tap water. And those are those are covered in sugar. And, exactly. And dipped in nectar. So. Right. No, I definitely. I waited tables all through high school and college. Didn't mind a moment of it. Uh, and then I worked at the Cheesecake Factory for one year, and I was like, nope, I'm done. How Change many, of career. Change how many of pages life. is the menu? The menu's like 
24, 25 pages, something like that. And um, you're in classroom training for like three weeks. Now, granted, some of this has probably changed since I worked there. But, yeah, we were in the like classroom training for like three. And the big thing there, even more so probably now, is that like food allergies, food allergies, food allergies. What Every fucking thing there has fucking nuts in it. 250 items. Yeah, every fucking thing has nuts in it. Even things that you don't think does is like fried in fucking peanut oil. Like... Anyway, I don't know how the fuck we got on this topic of discussion. <laughs> Join us next week where we talk about more tales of me working for corporate America. Yay. So, Eric, you are a special guest this week. We talked a little mm-hmm. bit um, in the beginning, but so where where did you grow up? I was born in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Westchester, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. Then shout out to um, Ophelia Hadass, the queen hey, of Westchester. Ophelia. Previous previous podcast guest, Ophelia Hadass. Thank you, Gerson. Oh, Michael, in addition to being a hostess and an assistant, is refilling our cocktails. And the tables have turned. And where'd you go to school? Um, I'm uneducated. <laughs> well, you went, did you, where'd you go to high school? I'm joking, no. I ended up going to culinary school. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, after high school, but I went to high school in Downingtown, Pennsylvania, which was uh, two shitty towns over. <laughs> And then Shout finally out. escaped. <laughs> All of our listeners in, in what is it, Downing? Downing. Downing. There's nobody there. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm being zero. facetious. It's like Mount Shout Rose. out to the listeners in Downingtown. <laughs> if you can afford a phone. Did you bring a pre-opened box of wine? Yes. Oh, my God. It's the one that I had two weeks ago when we did this podcast. Yeah, Downingtown literally has a Frida sign. You know what I mean? A what? A Frida? <laughs> Tell those goddamn Shriners take down Oh, goddamn Frida <laughs> <laughs> That's a drop dead gorgeous reference. Now available for streaming on, on Hulu. <laughs> it's about goddamn time, by the way. Yeah. So the culinary school. I went to culinary school and then dropped out of culinary school because I realized that I could learn more interning in kitchens around Philadelphia. Okay. So I interned at R2L, I interned at La Quad the Rin House, which is I was also serving at, um, and learned so much more from all the chefs. Right. That were working professionally and not the miserable teachers at the Art Institute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who did nothing but. Yeah. So what were you go- going to culinary school for? Because I have a friend who did that and was like a pastry chef. Though yeah. He doesn't do that now, but like that's what why he wanted to that's go. That's typically how it goes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I went because I wanted Shade. to open a restaurant. It's a nice thought. I would totally do it maybe later. But, um... You know, being on the other side in the front of house serving and bartending, the money and the amount of hours you put in as a chef, and then, like, once you know what the servers are making, it's just, it really kills it for you, and I can take that passion home. I can cook at home. I can entertain my Yeah, you're always posting pictures of, like, shit that you're making. Food, assholes, everything, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's just pizzas and buttholes. Pizzas and buttholes. Entire social media. Uh Uh-huh. That's it in a nutshell. Occasionally a cat. But um, Yay, cat. Cat. I love how everything's coming. Sometimes a cat's butthole while with a pizza next to it. I love that we've tied all of our, our subjects and we've right. We're back pizza, to cats again. Holes, it's Jennifer. Chefs, it's Jennifer Hudson mm-hmm. eating a pizza. I really respect with a chefs though that work professionally and work yeah. their way up through the ranks, and it's very admirable. But yeah, I went to school, culinary school. I've been in this city for about twelve years, probably. Yeah, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, and um. You were going to burlesque shows before becoming, or like... Oh, no, no. I hadn't gone to one. I was working one. Mm-hmm. So I was cocktail serving. Oh, that's right. The night that. of one, and then... Like, now she's now I she's saw. gigging all over the place. You're, you go where? To, like, you go to New York all the time? Go yeah. to New York frequently, Brooklyn. Um, 
go to Wilmington, Delaware. Oh, I'm in Wilmington, Delaware this Sunday. I love my I'm there this Sunday at the Queen. Oh, for for Disney brunch. Shout out Crimson Moon Boys. Love all you. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, go up to 12 Penny in Scranton, Provincetown. We've had shows at Crown and Anchor and the Underground Bar. Mm. Oh, wow. Working out a few things. We've been as far south as Savannah. Oh, wow. And September 1st, we're going to Hawaii. We're in Hawaii. Honolulu. Oh, shit, bitch. Uh-huh. She's so. got traveling. She's got booked. You were just in my old stomping grounds in Baltimore. I know. In Baltimore, yep, 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 at Club Orpheus and uh, the Baltimore Eagle. Yeah, which is reopened. We had a bunch of pups at the show. You had a what? A bunch of pups. Oh, people in, like... Yeah, with the masks. Like, the masks and stuff? Uh-huh. So, the one caught my glove on the nose... Okay. Gave it back to me, and mid-act, I had to say, good boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, good good dog. Good dog. No? Okay. Yeah, the, the Eagle in Baltimore is very interesting because um, Baltimore used to have, like, two mainstream gay bars. They were right across the street from one another. Uh, one was called The Hippo. That is now a CVS. The, the Hippo? The Hippo. That's what it was called. That was, was like small? What? No. Was it smaller? It was gigantic. Um, Hippos usually are. It had a piano bar. It had You're like a, it had pod. it had like a video bar, and then it had like this giant room that was like where they had the drag shows, and then on Fridays and Saturday nights it would be the dance floor. That got sold and turned into a CVS, and then across the street there's a bar that's still currently there for the time being called Grand Central. Mm-hmm. But like for the longest time, the owner is like this log cabin room gay guy who's like in love with Trump and everyone like would post all this shit on social media so the gays stopped going there then now that has been sold and is apparently within like a year or two going to become condos so the eagle saw like an opening in the community and like now it's like the bar that the Baltimore gays go to because like it still has like the leather bar element to it but there's like that awesome cabaret space and there's great stage there's yeah. a video bar there's like an outdoor patio area like it's really nice it's mm. like multi-floor complex so I was like come on come on Eagle they have like a swag shop you can yeah like buy stuff yeah they've, they've still got the sex store they've got because it used to be at another location when I when I lived there there's now. pizza next door it's the whole experience <laughs> it's, it's all two storefronts you can get drunk you can buy poppers <laughs> and pizza all within a three foot radius <laughs> gross gross so um, I, I had a I had a this this is an awkward transition, but I had a um, a purpose for you being here because I'm trying okay. to make this be like not just like an interview about like oh what do you hate about performing what do you ha- <laughs> what advice do you have for baby queens because it always ends up being the same thing. <laughs> so you've been very um, you've been very open and very vocal about your struggles with substance abuse mm-hmm. over the last few years. I have very similar experiences with someone in my family, my, my younger brother. So I think it's, this is a, I want this to be a platform where people can not only like laugh and kiki, but also be educated. Yeah, so course. I'll let you say what you want about that or okay. how little or how much you want to. Yeah. Well, this I'm in an open place. We're, we're free of judgment. Because when I was going through a lot of issues, I needed an opinion. I needed guidance. I needed help. Mm-hmm. Because of that, and I couldn't really find stable answers to my questions because mm-hmm. people were in and out of recovery, right? in and out of uh, using and abusing what I was using. So for that reason, I've been purposefully open mm-hmm. about my experience on the off chance somebody were to reach out right. and ask me for help. I would love to mm-hmm. be able to be there for somebody from a distance, you know, to offer a, a hand. <laughs> 
And um, so today I have 661 days clean from opiates. Um, I do drink. I do smoke a ton of weed at night to go to sleep. <laughs> I never slept right again after withdrawing from heroin. Uh, I can't nap anymore. It's, it's, oh, really? It's just affected me in that way for some oh, reason. Wow. So um, that's the reason for the, the ganja. But um, other than that, you know, I don't really fuck around. I don't do anything I'm not supposed to do. As and it's got to be hard, like, being in, you work in a bar. I work in multi, a bar. In multi-facets. Uh-huh. You're yeah. around that stuff. I am, yeah. A lot. It's the willpower. It's to, about to a balance. Yeah. Sometimes I find myself drinking too much and I reel it back in. Right. But, you know, I just know myself. Mm-hmm. So it was, okay, so you said heroin. Did it start as that or did it, like, you work your way up a ladder? <laughs> Only, I only ask because so I'll, be, I'll be completely honest. My younger brother has been, uh, has been. He was uh, addicted to heroin as well, and mm-hmm. he's been. I don't know the exact count of days, but it's been. I believe about three years Good since he has been in his last rehab program, and he, for him it started. As, I think he was in a car accident, mm-hmm. and it started as painkillers. It's a common story. And then just yeah. worked worked his way up the ladder. So people always say you did heroin. How dumb are you? Well dumb enough to do heroin, but I grew up in a small town, like I said. Mm -hmm. Um, We all were so bored. Mm -hmm. Anybody with half a mind was just bored to tears. We would experiment with things, as most teenagers do, Yeah. but most teenagers have a line that they don't cross, Mm -hmm. or a line that they get their ass beat if they cross. I didn't have ass beatings coming my way. I had no guidance. I was emancipated at 17. Oh, wow. Yeah, and not for any any reason mm-hmm. regarding my mother. I had a thirty year old boyfriend. I wanted to be free, and uh, <laughs> at seventeen, at seventeen, oh, get a girl, get okay. a girl. He was the manager at Gap. I got a discount. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was flying shit. I was so happy. But That's funny. so, you know, I think I did heroin for the first time at fifteen. Oh wow! Never had a problem with it. I watched so many friends die, go to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, get hospitalized, ruin their lives, end up homeless. Not me. I did it maybe like three times a year here and there and kind of got my stuff together. And and, uh, through working in restaurants, I was reintroduced to opiates as Percocet, Vicodin, Oxycontin. Oxycontin, And I took one once during a serving shift and it just, it made it go by like that. I was smiling. I was happy. My back didn't hurt. It was wonderful. And that escalated quickly. Right. I ended up in rehab in 2013 and was introduced to the 12-step program. Mm-hmm. AA, NA. I preferred AA because NA provided almost like a networking possibility to meet other addicts and people right. who were less sober than you. Mm-hmm. You could end up going out getting high again. Right. So I always kind of stayed away from NA, but um, I did not drink I did not smoke marijuana I did not do any drugs for about nine months straight mm-hmm. this is working in bars restaurants the whole while going to meetings every day um then started drinking again right. and it was fine for a couple of years but uh, <coughs> before I mention this person I don't blame this person for bringing a drug that was already into my life to the surface mm-hmm. and making it relevant in my experience but um, I met a guy, and at the time, I was heartbroken as we all get. 
you know, got ghosted a couple times, had a couple good relationships I let in, a couple bad relationships that I shouldn't have been in. And I met this guy, and uh, I liked him, and at that point, I would have fucking dated anybody. Right. Weeks sometimes just get like that, and that's just how it is. Yeah. But um, our second time hanging out, he said, what's your tattoo for? I said, oh, well, I got that when I got out of rehab like five, six years ago. He goes, oh, I had to rehab. What for? Mm-hmm. Come to find out, um, he had it right then and there. And I said, oh, I'll do some. Done it in the past. Never did anything. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think that uh, I thought if I did it, he'd like me. Right. And he knew if I did it, I wouldn't leave. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like that, nine months went by. Oh, wow. Um, overdosed twice. Overdosed mm-hmm. in March. It started in February. Overdosed in March. Overdosed on Easter Sunday. Mind you, I was living at Broad and Chestnut. Was taken out in a stretcher in broad daylight both times. Mm. Uh, it was just a miserable experience. I was selling everything I owned. Mm. Never stole from anybody. That wasn't really my thing, which is a common it's, unfortunate yeah, happening. Yeah, there are priceless family things in our family that are no longer there because uh-huh. he needed. I mean, he was in the grips of of the disease, so he needed that. I mean, I there were several very tense family gatherings, and I were I mean I only go I only go back to my parents three times a year, mm-hmm. Christmas, Easter, maybe Fourth of July, maybe Thanksgiving, like that kind of stuff, and like he would be nodding off at the dinner table, oh, yeah. or like his girlfriend at the time they would get into these like just ridiculous fights out of nowhere, and it's like this is not someone who is in the like this is not someone like we would fear for her safety because this I mean I don't you didn't know, know where he was right. at yeah and so it's been he only he I, I I'm sure I'm not getting these details accurate and I'm sure my mom will listen to this and be angry that I am talking <laughs> about this but um like he passed out basically overdosed in his car at a red light oh my god and then like the police showed up and like Ow. banged on the window, and he got taken like to the hospital, and like it, yeah, it was it was pretty bad for a while. The scary <clears throat> thing about that is you don't know what's happening. It's like that you're just out, right? Yeah, it's like accidentally falling asleep, yeah, and not right like behind that. a wheel, yeah, yeah, and going into a tree, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's that kind of thing happens. Yeah, in Narcan, receiving Narcan, it took. Two hits in Narcan both times for me. And coming back from that was the most horrible experience. Imagine just seizing for an hour. Mm-hmm. It might be different for everybody, but mm-hmm. for me yeah, it was... This isn't like a blueprint. It yeah. pulls the heroin out of you, the receptors mm-hmm. in your brain. Mm-hmm. Forces you to go through withdrawal in about an hour. Mm-hmm. Jesus. They bring you to the hospital. I guess if you're willing, I was willing because I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? And it was new to me. And I went and... They watched over me, and then I got high the next day. I said I'd change, and then just like that, that's the power of it. So what was the final, like, what was the final thing that made you turn away from it? I started telling people I loved. Um, Did you hide it from a lot of people? I had to. I would go out on stage. I had to put makeup on my track marks. I had to Mm. wear long sleeves in the summer. It was just like... Oh, wow. 
it was affecting me at work. I got fired from my job in Pennsylvania Six, where I discovered burlesque. Uh, I worked there two years, got fired. Um, they said it was for something that it wasn't. I knew why yeah. I got fired from there. Yeah. Um, it was affecting all my relationships. People were worried about me. I lost 40 pounds. Yeah. Had it to lose, but lost it. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. But um, I slowly started telling people to hold myself accountable. Right. And, um, you know, I was in this toxic relationship still. Mm-hmm. And I wish him well. I really hope he finds mm-hmm. his wife. I don't know what the case is now, but mm-hmm. I hope he's well. And um, I was in this toxic relationship, toxic to me, and um, I needed to get out of it. And it was this vicious back and forth of we're going to get this right. We're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I need to worry about me. Yeah. I needed to make sure I was okay. And, um, you know, we left the city he went to rehab I went to live with my dad and I figured by the time I was out of rehab I'd have an apartment and everything and then just it wasn't it all came together and then it was not working Mm. it was a drug fueled fantasy right and I had to start worrying about my health my well being how I was going to get back home Mm -hmm. and uh it's unfortunate that it happened but I learned so much from that I wouldn't take it back for Yeah, you go through everything for a reason. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's really important that people share their stories, not just from a first-hand perspective, but families. Because as we get into like the more digital age where everything is just completely shared, right? that's a totally different mindset than yeah. how we grew well, up. Right? Like it's, you don't, you talk, guard, about, you don't yeah. talk about it at all. Oh, you yeah. guard your family secrets. Like, like our you do family, it, was, it was common knowledge. It, like We would be at large family gatherings and like my cousins would keep their younger kids away from him mm-hmm. because they didn't mm-hmm. want them to see him like that. Well, I think it's important that people connect in this way because we're breaking out of that, oh, well, this is a stain on the family. And it's like, mm, it's not so much a fam- about family anymore. It's about connecting with people we're we're all one family I know that sounds super like touchy feeling and shit yeah Yeah. but like it it really will make a difference if if, in super cliche but if you can help one person or Mm. if Bev you can help one person because you lived with a family member Mm. like that makes all the difference just anytime you're talking about it and talking openly about it I think it's a good thing because it's it's adding a brick to the wall of it being something that's able to be talked about and not something that you just hide how did your brother get clean? What's his story? To be completely 100% honest, I don't know all of the specifics. A lot of the specifics have been kept from me just because we don't have a great relationship aside from his issues with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that he went through a rehab program. He was living... How many? Two to three, I believe. He, um, My mom works with the county government... And through her connections through the government, she basically found him, like, a monitored halfway house, basically, where he was living with other people going through recovery. Mm -hmm. But they had, like, a a house dad, basically, who was, like, watching them like a fucking hawk. And if you, like, if you did, you minded your P's and Q's, you were, you got to live there without having to pay for it. And you got to go about your life and get a job and get your life back on track and be in a place. But if you, if you faltered then unfortunately you were out so it forced him to be like I need to keep my shit together that's good and um I think he finally realized what like my 
my mom especially like fell on the sword for him a bunch of times through her connections with the government getting him out of jail sentences and things like that and youth trading on her reputation and to a certain degree and I think she'd agree with it that tends to become an enabler but it it I think he finally got wise to the fact of how it was not only affecting him but affecting everyone else Mm -hmm. and my parents especially because he was still living at home for a while before he was in that that program and I to my knowledge he still goes to meetings he's um He's in a relationship now with a with a, a girl that has a younger daughter that he's taken on a father figure role. So I think that motivates him to kids save a lot of lives for yeah. people sometimes. Like it's not his child, but he basically is the father figure in her life, and it keeps him. He has a job now that he enjoys. He do, he does still go out socially. He's very into like the EDM. Um, World. Come on, sober rave. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that seems like a blast. Like, Do you mind if I ask how many times you went to rehab? Because you mentioned the one time. Uh huh. Oh, one and done. And in that moment when I was there, I knew that was the only time I would ever go to rehab. Okay. And this is way before it got really bad. Right. Um, I said, you're going to listen to what they tell you, take the tools, apply them where they're needed. And if it doesn't work, go back to square one. But I wasn't about to let. I wasn't about to let the rehab suck my insurance dry. Mm. Time and time and time again. $35 billion industry. I was just going to say there's a documentary that's out that talks about rehab and mm-hmm. and how there are certain programs that are, are built around actually uh, providing the tools for recovery and there are certain uh, more popular uh, centers that literally just designed to just continue to charge insurance and and it, it's it's not helpful private, private health care in this I mean that's one of the big fucking issues that's why like Elizabeth Warren not like they want like standardized like medic mm. because like I work we're not going to go down this road but like as someone who deals with dental insurances for 95% of his day I see the what, what people pay and mm. what they're getting out of it and like every corner that's, that's cut to save money right. mm-hmm. like it's crazy um, are there any resources that you use now that you want to plug or no no really okay. no no it was interesting and, you know, most people will be against me saying this, but it was willpower. Because that's the argument against junkies. Just have willpower. What's wrong with you? Like, just stop using. It's what the moms mm-hmm. say, the dads say. People who actually care but are frustrated. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I'm not built to be a junkie. And I use that word not in an uh, offensive, demeaning way, but I was one. And I'm saying I'm not built for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not built for homelessness. I'm not built to be dope sick. I'm not right. built. It's not for me. I'm You're a wealthy a lady, and you li- and you like <laughs> you like nice things. That's not even <laughs> true. I just I'm, it's not for me. But yeah. Also, twelve step programs are not for me, and they're not for ninety percent of people who try them. Ten mm. percent success rate, and that's if you die clean. You right. know, your right. experience in there. Ten percent. Thirty five million dollar, thirty five billion dollar industry. The rehabs are okay. People go in there time and time again. I had a friend whose family lost their house. 13 rehabs. Lost their house. Wow. That's crazy. He's got five years clean now and teaches at a rehab. Beautiful. Right. But, so 90% of these rehabs will send you out into 12-step programs. 
recommend you give you a list of them. Right. Do the 12 steps within the rehab in your 30 days there on insurance money. 90%. They have a 10% success rate. Mm. Now, their in-house estimates are 80%. Because I want you to stay there. Yeah. And, you know, the first 10 minutes of any AA, NA meeting is a disclaimer about... <laughs> We're not affiliated with this, blah, 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 blah. No associations with any organized right. facilities. And it's it's just, it's wild to me. It's a cycle. Right. They're just cycling them through. Putting them in a rehab that has is full of therapists and doctors, a lot of which are recovering addicts themselves, who have great intentions and want these people to get clean. Right, yeah. But that's not the problem. The problem is where the money's going. Right. And it's just a vicious cycle until yeah. they die or go back to rehab. Yeah. Well, let's try to not wrap this up, but like go send it. Let's to let's a, do our, our one of our happier segments. endings. No, because yeah. I wanted to like yeah. so now that you you said six hundred and sixty one sixty one days. Yeah. yeah. All right. So basically two years. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. October second. Yeah. And you were talk about the good things that have happened during that time. I'm in a. Fantastic relationship. I know, I love him. A little Richard, a little Diablo Francis. Richard. Holler. Who I met when she was just a little little bar back at the Victoria Free House. (laughs) I always say, Um, getting me getting me drunk during during RuPaul's drag race viewing parties. I'm dating the bartender from Victoria (laughs) Free House. That's the first time I actually ever met you was a RuPaul's drag race. Oh really? At Victoria Free House. House. That's where I started doing food. That's the first time we met. I think during one a bear last. Had to be, right? Yeah. Um, the Bearless producer, who I'm not going to say, I agreed to not say his name, but, like, um, there was a period where it was, like, new boys were being introduced all the time, a lot of whom, I think, were people that he might have been dating at the time, so I don't know your background, but, like, we, you came in, and I was like, oh, here's another one, but then I was like, oh, she's good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Silly. No, I tended to see boys come and go, but no, you, uh, yeah. you, I was like, oh, she's good. I didn't think I had staying power, but here. Here and here we are. <laughs> here we are. And you're also producing your own events. I just yeah. did your um, your Tim Burton show. Uh huh. And which you're was, doing the next. Which one was fun. Too. And we're doing the, an American Horror Story uh-huh. show next. That's September 29th at Frankie Bradley. And I saw your Facebook status. You want to get back into doing your charity events? Uh-huh. Me and uh, Icon of Any Fears used to do these uh, charity events. Mm-hmm. I did. I did. I can't do. You did uh, a couple. I did a couple of them. Of you did the comedy yeah. one. You did the Pulse one. I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we used to do events for Attic Youth Center, uh, Paul's out of Philadelphia. P A W S. Yes, not Pulse. <laughs> <laughs> not Pulse. <laughs> but we did do one for the Pulse uh, shooting, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. Such a good time. Really a community building, mm-hmm. community driven event. Yeah. So and, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really excited, excited about yeah. the future and all the things we're doing together and. Yeah. Well, I'm, I you. thank you for um, being as open as you were, yeah. and I appreciate it. And I hope that anyone listening out there um, sees this as something that that was not like exploitative, but like I think was informative. Informative, yeah. And like, is a res- could, could be used as a resource. Yeah, and I'm sure we can add some resources to the post when we post yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm sure there are. You know, I feel like your journey is a very unique one, and some folks are probably not as strong from a personality perspective or, and I'm trying not to say this in the wrong way, but, you know, anyone can always use help. 
right? Mm-hmm. So if, if we can help, let's help. And, yeah, and like, I'm, I, let's be honest, like my mother told me on my birthday that um, she's worried that I drink too much. And I'm like, <laughs> that's my fault. I'm like, mom, She's like, you, we, we have the gene in this family, Andrew. Shout out to you. We She's have the gene. So oh, when I was a child growing up, so my grandfather was an alcoholic. There's other issues of substance abuse in our family. So when, I, especially when I was in high school and like I would go out, the last thing my mother would yell at me as I was leaving the house was, you have the gene! You have the gene! So like now, like on my, she came up for my birthday and we got, we got lunch and she's like, I'm concerned about your drinking. There's abuse in this family. I was like, Judy, I'm gonna remind you of the bottle of Riesling you put away by yourself <laughs> last night in my apartment. Where do you, like, Wine drinkers are always like, uh-huh. Yeah, I'll remind you of the Higher of the that. of the fireball you had over ice last night with a straw. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's let's wrap up on a on a. Um, do we want to do app app chat? Let's do app chat. We can. We, so yeah. um, so it's I it's talk. You're not on any of the apps. You're in a happy relationship. Yeah. But have you ever been on the apps? Oh yeah. Okay, so oh, this yeah. segment is called app chat. chat. So I learned the hard way that this is my mother and my ex both listen to this. So I have to be selective <laughs> about the stories we tell on this. But no, so I listened to the Meatball and Big Dipper podcast. And they have this segment called Fuck Talk. It used to be called Sex Stories where they would talk about awkward hookups. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly ready to do that. But we can talk about like fun stories from like being on the apps or whatever. And because uh, ju- I'm, I'm recently single. So I'm on the apps now. And, Didn't you um, just join Tinder? I, that Well, you took my fucking story. <laughs> I never I, met someone off Tinder before. I just joined Tinder today. Um, it's been interesting. As of as of this recording, I have matched with, hold on, five people. <laughs> <laughs> it's been on your phone for how long? <laughs> like 12 hours. I don't know. Um, it's interesting. It's funny. I find myself swiping right on people that I know just to see if there will be like a, um, like, I'm like, what? Like fucking like, shout out to Cherry Pop. I swiped right on you. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Nevea Shea. Just to be like, hey girl. Just to see. But like, it's just funny because like, I made the mistake when I downloaded Grinder for the first time. It asks you, I guess, the tribes that you want to be on. And I made the mistake of putting drag as one of them because I obviously do drag and the um, the re- the messages I got based off of that I was oh, like nope cases. nope nope oh, you are not gonna get me to do a, a, a Craigslist wear a, wear a lingerie and like a, a oh. like nope you you don't want to dig what I have out of the three layers of pantyhose the pads the steel bone corset of what I have shut the fuck up Roberto we're recording it's fine <laughs> my favorite app story yes tell me I woke up exceptionally early I put a load in the washer <laughs> couldn't see that coming I did some uh-huh. house stuff filled the ice cube trays did uh-huh. morning things maybe had an omelet not sure <laughs> a little bit ago now but I went on the apps as one does in the morning mm-hmm and I saw this really hot guy who I will not name. Okay. But I always really wanted to hit it. And he was feet away. <laughs> like 322 feet away. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So I went to my freezer. He's like, come over. Come on. Oh, you messaged him? Do- oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I said, hey, what's up? You're so close. Speak <laughs> up, Linda. This is an auditory podcast. And I went into my freezer. <laughs> 
I love you leaning with your ear as you're telling this. And I <laughs> grabbed the gym beam and I poured myself a shot. I said, "We're gonna do this. We're gonna be cool. We're gonna go over there, uh, have confidence, and give him that dick." Because I thought I was going through a top face. Uh huh. <laughs> and um, <laughs> their top face. So I get over there, and you know, you do the little message here. You didn't even knock. <laughs> well, I knocked, and the door opened by itself. Okay. I get a message back saying, it's open. We're upstairs. Uh, what? Uh, We're upstairs. I go up the stairs. There's not a fucking light on in the whole place. Go up the stairs. There are seven men gangbanging my crush. <laughs> there are three meth pipes glowing. Oh, no. You were like, check, I please. I pumped my load in there and got the fuck out. <laughs> I said, oh, honey. <laughs> you stayed. That is not where I thought the story was going to go. God bless. Never meet your idols, right? <laughs> I hate you. I want to know who this is after the Jeremiah, podcast. After you're you're <laughs> Jeremiah, your story for this week? Um, mine is actually very recent. Uh, we went to the uh, Robin concert on our way home, which was very good, by the way. Um, this happened on the way home? Yeah. Um, I don't even know about this. Yes, you do. I told you about it last weekend. Um, At was, what point in our two-hour drive home did it happen? <laughs> right? As we, like, are pulling and in, getting into Philly, we're in Fishtown, and I get a message that's, like, sexy, and I'm like, thanks. And his response, next response is, oh, shit, we fucked, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Mind you, this is, like, a headless torso, and I'm like, uh, be, be more, more specific. <laughs> so then I get a, a couple pictures, and I'm like, oh, we have fucked. Is it good? Three and a half years ago, when I first moved here, I'm like, well, it must have been good to, for you to remember three years later. <laughs> yeah. Was it good for you, though? Do you oh, remember? Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah? Okay. So have you hit it again since? No, but he wants to. Will you tell me who it was after? Oh, I'll show you. You'll, okay. you, you, all can, you all can share stories. <laughs> all right, kids, so let's wrap up. Uh, Turnpike, where can they find you on the social meds? Social media, the Turnpike, with a Y, on Instagram. Um, don't find me on Facebook. Uh, you can find me September 29th at Frankie Bradley. Oh, yeah. Plug what shit you have coming up. Yeah, for our American Horror Story show every third Friday at Latage for Daddy and Friends, produced by my very dear friend, Josh Schoenwolf. Um, you can also find me either in Brooklyn or Philly first Friday in uh, Bearlesque in their home shows in respective states. Awesome. That's enough of that. Awesome. Uh, Jeremiah, where can they find you on the social meets? Uh, side eye shade, all one word, lowercase at Instagram. If you want to Snapchat me, I'm the J Spoon because side eye shade was taken. Um, other than what? that, they can find me at a bar drinking uh, Savion Blanc or uh, vodka soda. Yeah, because apparently I found out this week that at U Bar you're known as the closing shift. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh okay. my god, really? <laughs> we went to U Bar and this guy, the bartender was like, You're here way too early. You're my closing shift. So. Apparently you're a regular. I don't know what you're talking about. And you can find me on Instagram at Venmo at It's Bev <laughs> And then on Facebook at Drew Bev Gaber. Thank you all so much for listening. We are right at the hour mark, so we are going to let you go. Everyone say bye. Real bye. quickly, if you guys have questions that you want us to answer, like message Oh, yeah, us. Mess, DM me on social media, on uh, Instagram uh, at It's Bev Bitch. Um, plug, plugging my shit. Uh, this weekend, I don't know if this is coming out in time, but I'm doing Disney brunch.
brunch at both the Punchline Philly and the Queen in Wilmington. Next Saturday is my Bev's Bitch Fest show with James Mansfield. Tickets are still available Woo. for VIP meet and greet. I reduced them to ten dollars to make them a little more affordable. I know summer can be expensive, and. Um, in September, the first Saturday in September, I am bringing back the Miss Boxed Wine yes. pageant, the neighborhood's only intentionally offensive drag, intentionally bad drag pageant. Uh, signups will go on sale very soon. I just got my panel of judges. Um, it's Drag Con weekend, so <laughs> every bitch is out of town. But we have uh, Mr. Stoley, 1943, Billy Cavallo, <laughs> uh, Miss Crown Royal, 2017, Lady Geisha, and your newly crowned Miss. Uh, Philly's game the next drag superstar Miss Ivana Blackout will be the judging panel for that so it'll be fun alright until next time kids bye bye bye